Today we are in week two of um, week two of our series. You wanted to know. We took the time to fill out some uh, some response requests from you to find out um, the topics of interest that you might want to hear a sermon about. And uh, we began last week, and we talked about hearing the voice of God. We talked about sometimes we don't hear the voice of God because maybe we're expecting it to come in some audible voice. And God, although God can do that, that's normally not how God speaks to us. Is that right? Normally, God speaks to us in a whisper, in a still, small voice. We talked about the different ways that God speaks to us. Well, today we're going to continue that series, and today we're going to talk about another topic you wanted to know about, and that's receiving and extending forgiveness. You know, some of the responses or the questions that, that you made were this. How do you come back to God once you've slipped away? How do I get free from all the guilt and condemnation in my life? Can you help me with the struggle of my feelings of unworthiness of His love and receiving His forgiveness for my sins? Have any of you ever struggled with some of that stuff? Come on, how many of you can relate to that? Some other comments was others asked, how do I forgive people that hurt me and how do I get past offenses? Now, I know none of you ever experienced that. Or, or how do I forgive someone that doesn't acknowledge what they've done or even feel sorry or hurt for what they, they've done? How do you do that? Well, that's good questions. And it's questions like this that causes us to have the need to talk about how to receive and extend forgiveness. So let's begin, first of all, by talking about experiencing the forgiveness of God. We all need to experience the forgiveness of God, right? No doubt one of the struggles some of us deal with in church is the ability to receive and experience the forgiveness of God. It's amazing how some people, this is a big struggle. And I believe that before we can really be victorious in our Christian life, before we can really enjoy a healthy, strong relationship with God, we have to first receive the forgiveness of God. Wouldn't you agree? You know, some people feel like, how can you build a strong, healthy relationship with someone if all they ever did was condemn you or point out your faults and kept reminding you of your failures and your mistakes? How can you draw close to somebody if you feel that that's all they do is talk to you about your shortcomings, your mistakes? And, you know, the reality is that's how some people feel whenever they they. Uh, they connect with God. And if, if you ever think or feel when approaching God that, that He's always just looking at your faults and your mistakes, then you, you have to, you need a breakthrough. You need a breakthrough. You need a spiritual breakthrough. Amen. Listen, it's the, you know, if all you ever think when you, when you approach God is that He's condemning you, you can't ever build a strong relationship with God. We need to have a healthy view of God to experience a healthy relationship with God. Wouldn't you agree with that? And the reality is some of us has a warped, a warped view of God because of the environment that we were raised in. But you know, there are three barriers that keep us from receiving and experiencing the love of God. The first barrier is this, shame. Shame is a barrier that keeps us. Shame is the feelings of incompetence, indecency, or unworthiness. 
And some people are, are just, uh, they're, they're strapped with shame. You know, shame causes people to feel undeserving or unworthy to receive the love of others. You say, well, man, I can't believe that. Yeah, it's true. And see, the problem with shame is it isolates from us from other people. Did you, do you notice when people feel ashamed, they feel shame? They don't want to be in a crowd. They want to get all alone. They want to be by themselves. And so shame isolates us from people, but it also separates us from the love and the fellowship of God. So we got to deal with it. This is what happened to Adam and Eve. He dealt with shame. You remember the story in Genesis 2 in verse 25. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. There was a time in, in, in the, in the existence of, of history that there was, man didn't feel any shame. Adam and Eve were naked, yet they felt no shame. And so for a time, Adam and Eve felt no shame, but after they sinned in the garden, they began to deal with shame. In Genesis 3, 7 says, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Can I tell you something? Shame is a result of the fall. Shame is a result of the, the original sin in the garden. Sin caused Adam and Eve to feel ashamed and caused them to want to hide from God. You're familiar with the story in, in Genesis 3 and 8. When the cool of the evening breeze were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Why was they, why was he hiding from the Lord? Why? Because he felt shame. He felt shame. Shame causes us to hide from God. That's what happens to you and me. Whenever we're strapped with shame, it causes us to want to hide from God. Shame robs you of your confidence before God and causes you to want to run away from God. So we got to deal with it. Shame is a barrier that keeps us from receiving the love of God. Wouldn't you agree? If you agree, say amen. A second barrier that keeps us from really receiving the forgiveness of God is guilt. Now, guilt is the feeling of being bound by the judgment of God caused by a wrong or sin we've committed. Guilt also causes people to feel unworthy or undeserving and lack confidence before God. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 21, Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with boldness. And we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. And so he's saying, dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come boldly. And the reality is you bring a bunch of people in a building and start worshiping God and praying and praying to God. And some feel great boldness and confidence to come to God. And some of them lack a whole lot of confidence and boldness because there's this thing called guilt that is plaguing them. The problem with guilt, it's a barrier in our relationship with God. The problem with guilt is it continually sends us a spiritual message that we are not worthy or deserving of God's love. And it totally robs us of our confidence before God. So, you know, somebody that's strapped with guilt, they're not so quick to just talk to God, pray to God, ask God for help. They're not so quick. Why? Because they're lacking confidence. 
Bible says in Psalm 38, 4, the psalmist said, my guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to hear or too, too heavy to bear. You know, have you have you heard in the news or heard about these stories of guys that people that have maybe murdered whenever they were a teenager and, and, and they go 10, 20 years and finally they go up to the police station and they confess their sin before the police, before the authorities. Nobody knows what they did, but they're so they're so strapped with guilt. They can't live under it any longer. And they just say, I don't care if I got to spend the rest of my days in prison. I got to get free from this guilt. And they will go to just deal with the guilt in their life. It's a barrier to receiving the forgiveness and the love of God. A third barrier is barrier is condemnation. Now, the condemnation is the feeling of being undeserving of God's love, favor, or acceptance because of my prior behavior. You know, there's two sources of condemnation. One source of condemnation Condemnation originates with God and comes from the working and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that's part of the job of the Holy Spirit is to condemn us when we're doing the wrong thing? It's kind of like the, the scolding. Don't, don't do that. But part, another source of condemnation originates with Satan and comes from the work of false accusation. Satan is always and constantly accusing us, reminding of us of all our wrongdoing, all our mistakes, all our errors, all of our offenses we committed. It's amazing that, you know, that the devil will help us remember all the bad in our life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? In Job chapter 1 and verse 6, one day the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Now notice the Lord called him the accuser. The accuser. Satan patrols the earth, watching everything we do. And then he tries to condemn us by reminding us of everything that we've ever done. How many of you can remember some wrong things you did whenever you were just in elementary school? Come on, online church. How many of you? Come on, I know you're not that holy. Come on, be, be, come on. Come on, it's time to repent right here, right? How come you remember that? Because the devil will make sure to remind you. His purpose is to get us thinking and feeling that we aren't deserving of God's love, favor, and acceptance. You know, you, some of you have heard me tell this story, but you know, before I was a Christian, I don't know, I might have been like, 11 years old, 12 years old, something like that. I was young. And, and we had, uh, you know, a lot of children in the neighborhood. We always had football games, baseball games going on in the neighborhood. It's whenever they had large families. Everybody had four or five, seven, eight, nine children in the family. And so whenever we played, there were children everywhere. And one day I was playing, we were playing baseball out there and nighttime came and everybody was leaving to go home. And I was one of the last ones out there. And on my way home, I saw this brand new red glove sitting on the ground. And I decided it must be the Lord's telling me that's my glove. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I picked up that glove and brought it home. I stole that glove. Nobody ever knew that I stole that glove. Nobody ever find out. They, they, you know, they talked about it in the neighborhood. Hey, did you see Barry's glove? Do you know where Barry's glove is? Hey, Barry lost his glove. Do y'all know where it's at? Uh-uh, I don't know where it's at. And you know, I was playing baseball and I, I couldn't even use the glove. Because if I used the glove, somebody would find out. I stole the glove. 
So here I am now guilty of stealing the glove. I can't even use the glove. Now that's how sin works right there. But you know, after I got saved, it was amazing. Every time I tried to pray, you know what's one of the only things I remember when I'd pray? The red glove, red glove, red glove. When I try to worship, you know what's the only thing I remember? Red glove, red glove, red glove. It's like, come on. you got to be kidding me. I couldn't get past the red glove. Now the Lord led me to call up Barry. First of all, I repented. I repented a hundred times. But I could never get past the guilt and the condemnation of the red glove. And so finally I called up Barry. I said, Barry, I got a, I got a confession to make to you. Now we're older now. He said, what's that? So I don't know if you remember, you lost a red glove whenever you were young. I stole your red glove. He didn't know what to do with that. It's like, man, so I'm going to put a check in the mail to pay you back for your red glove. Oh, man, don't worry about that. No, I need to do that. I put a check in the mail to him for a red glove because I needed to get that off my chest. Why? Because it was just, it was bothering me. Amen? These are barriers. Shame, guilt, and condemnation are barriers that keep us from experiencing and receiving the love of God. And sometimes we're struggling in our relationship with God and we don't realize that these barriers stand before us. And some people can come like they own the place. They come into church like like they're the only child in the place and that God's going to sit at their feet and give them everything they want. And somebody right on the side is feeling like, why do you get all the blessings and I don't get any? And the whole the whole purpose is, the whole struggle is they're, they're dealing with these barriers in their life. And so then they ask the questions, how can I get past guilt and condemnation? But here's the good news of the gospel. How many of you know that's, that's the wonderful thing about the gospel? It is good news. The Lord has provided a remedy for each of these barriers. The Lord has provided mercy for those who feel shame. I believe the remedy of shame is God's amazing Mercy. How many of you know God has a lot of mercy? He's full of mercy. Amen. In fact, his mercy is new every morning. Amen. Isaiah 54, 4 says, fear not. You will no longer live in. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the of your youth when you stole that red glove. And the sorrows of widowhood. How many of you know the Lord wants to heal every one of us of the feelings of shame? Because listen, I know I'm not the only one that feels shame for some of the things that we did, whether we were young or whether we were adults, and it's constantly plaguing our minds. And we feel unworthy of God's love because whenever we come before God, it's this cloud hanging over our head that makes us feel unworthy of God's love. Isaiah 54, 10. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear. And even then my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Now, what is mercy? A merciful person is one who cares and has pity on those who are hurting. How many of you know that's our God? He cares for us and he has pity on us when we're hurting. In the Hebrew, mercy means to get inside someone else's skin and feel what they're feeling. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Jesus can sympathize or identify with the shame that you're feeling. He can identify. He understands how you feel when you're struggling inside with shame. He knows what that's like. You know, somebody else might not understand. Nobody else may understand. But you can't turn to the Lord and say, Lord, you don't understand. Because the Lord understands. He understands what we're going through. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. Remember when Jesus went to the cross? You know, it's not enough that he was nailed to the cross and he died. But he was taunted. He was mocked. He was spat on. He was publicly humiliated. Not in somewhere in private, in public, in the public square, in the front of the whole world. Why did Jesus endure such public shame and humiliation? You know why he did it? So he could help you and I today with the shame we feel because of the things that we did that we're not proud about. Isaiah 53, 4 says, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought it was his troubles that we thought... His troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but that's not what it was. Verse 5 says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Amen. That's good news this morning. Amen. We need to be reminded that our merciful Lord endured the humiliation, the beating, the scourging of the cross so we could be delivered from all our shame and made whole. Regardless of whether our shame is a result of our own wrong behavior or the choices and behaviors of others. Because you know what the reality is? I caused my own shame. But you know what the reality is? Some uh, Some of us feel shame because of the choices and the behavior of other people. And we've been carrying the shame of something that wasn't even a choice that we made. It wasn't even our own choice or behavior. It was the behavior of somebody else. Yet we're the ones that are strapped with the shame. But we need to know that Jesus came to deliver us from shame, to heal us from shame. Amen. There's more good news. The Lord has also provided grace for those battling with guilt. I believe the remedy for guilt is God's amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. Amen? Not only me, you too. He saved you, right? Ephesians 1.6 says this, So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and He forgave our sins. You know what a gracious person is, right? It's one who has the ability to forgive others or forgive other of others of wrongs committed against them. A gracious person has the ability to overlook a hurt, an offense. And God is a very gracious God. And so what that's telling us is that God has the ability to forgive us and look past our mistakes. How many of you are grateful for that? Amen. The Bible says in Hebrew 4, Hebrews 4.15, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, I like the next verse. Therefore, let us draw near 
with confidence, where? To the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Did you ever think about a throne of grace? Whenever I think about a throne of grace, I think, man, they don't run out of grace in that place. They got enough grace for your sins and my sins combined. They got enough grace there to cover everybody's sin. Amen. There's enough grace there to cover all my mistakes. So therefore, when I come to God, and whether it's the enemy or whether I feel the guilt of my past faults and mistakes, I can ask the Lord to forgive me, and then I can come boldly to the throne room of grace, reminded that God forgives me for my past mistakes. Man, I'm telling you, that is good news today. I mean, just imagine if every time we made a mistake, we had to be in timeout for a year. Imagine if the Lord said, time out, you sin. You're not going to feel my presence. You're not going to feel my love. You're not going to have my grace. You're not going to have my favor for a year. Time out. How many of you glad God is a God of mercy and he doesn't say time out? Amen. Amen. He might whip us on our little fanny and say, you're forgiven. And now go on and serve me and live for me. Amen. He disciplines those he loves, but he's a God of mercy and forgives. So listen, it's real important to understand God forgives us for all our sins, regardless of how many times we've sinned or how grievous we may think our sins are. You know, sometimes people, uh, you know, some of the people that have struggled the most in their spiritual walk are people that the enemy has whispered in their ear and said, you committed the unpardonable sin. Your sin is unpardonable. And every time I've talked to somebody, I say, the fact that you worried about whether Jesus would forgive you, you didn't commit the unpardonable sin. But the enemy will try to tell us our sins are so great that not even the love of God can cover them. Now, is that a lie from hell, saints, or is that a lie from hell? Come on, how many of you know there ain't no sin that Jesus' blood cannot wash and forgive? Come on, are y'all out there? Amen. Listen to this verse, Isaiah 118. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Amen. God is a God of forgiveness. Aren't you glad about that? And listen, when God forgives us, it's as if we've never sinned. It's as if our sin never existed. They're gone. They're wiped out, forgotten about, and thrown in the sea of forgetfulness. And so whenever I say, Lord, you remember that? Remember when I stole that glove? Can't remember that. What do you, I know you know everything. You're smart. You know when I stole that glove. You asked me to forgive you, and I did. And I've forgotten about it. What glove are you talking about? Are you hearing me? It's not just my red glove. It's what happened to you whenever you were young. It's what you did whenever you were before Christ. Or it could be after Christ. But you see, listen, whenever the enemy tempts us to sin, then once he sinned, he gets on our back and tries to help us never ever forget the wrongs that we did. And until we get the revelation of the power of the blood of Jesus that forgives us our sins, we're never going to come boldly to the throne of grace. 
We're going to come unworthy and feeling undeserving. And we're going to come and just bow down and say, oh, Lord, I know you're going to bless everybody else, but not me, the sinner. We need to be reminded God forgives us of all our sins. The question is, are we going to forgive ourselves? Because, listen, sometimes all the enemy has to do is get us introverted. And, And listen, the Holy Spirit don't need to condemn us. The devil don't need to condemn us. We're doing a good enough job ourselves. We condemn ourselves. We beat ourselves. Some of us, we're our worst enemy. Come on. If Jesus forgives, we don't. The audacity of us not to forgive ourselves. Who do we think we are to do something that Jesus has already done? Come on. Are y'all with me? We got to walk. So the remedy for the barrier of guilt is God's amazing grace. How many of you glad for God's amazing grace? How sweet the sound. Come on. How many of you, whenever you read that, whenever you sing that, that saved a wretch like me? Hey, thank God. Yes, I was wretched, but thank God for his amazing grace. Amen. Though my sins were red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. Come on. He takes stains out of our soul. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then still more good news is that the Lord has provided his spirit for those who feel condemned. You know, I believe God's remedy for condemnation is God's amazing spirit. His spirit sets us free. Romans 8, 1 says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Part of God's provision is his life-giving spirit. I'm going to be grateful for his life-giving spirit. And it's his life-giving spirit that breaks the controlling spirit of condemnation. His life-giving spirit sets you free from the power of sin and condemnation. You know, condemnation, if you get the picture of condemnation, imagine somebody leaning over you. While you're already feeling bad about what you did, your mistakes you made, and they keep reminding you. You failure. You must, you made, I can't believe that you did that. I can't believe. Who do you think you are to even call yourself a Christian? To much less even open up the Bible and read the Bible. You heathen. You don't deserve reading the Bible. You don't deserve God's spirit condemning you, condemning you, beating you down. That's the enemy's job. If he can't puff you up, he'll try to drive you into the ground. You try to make you feel like you're hopeless and helpless. Listen, Jesus came to deliver us from the condemnation, the condemning power of sin, the condemning, accusing voice of Satan who accuses us. Second Corinthians 3.17, for the Lord is spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I tell you, one of the things the spirit does is confirm with us and affirm in our spirit that we are children of God. There's a sense in our being that we are, we can say, Abba, Father, he's my daddy. Come on, come on, the Lord is my daddy. He's my father. Amen. 
And listen, some of you, maybe you've been feeling condemned. You know, listen, a lot of us, you know, the reason why we struggle with condemnation so much is that's all we experienced all our life. Somebody was always quick, you know, to point out the faults and mistakes, the failures in our life and telling us how we don't measure up. And then we bring that into our relationship with God and we think God's standing over us saying, you don't measure up. You're always making mistakes. You never get it right. You're a failure. You're, You're just full of mistakes and I don't like you. And the Lord's saying, that's not who I am. I am a loving father that loves you. And I'm standing on the porch and I'm waiting for you to come home, even though you might be in the cesspool. I'm waiting on the porch because there's nothing I want more than to put my arms around you and love on you and tell you, my son, I love you. I care for you. My daughter, I want nothing more than to be in relationship with you. Amen. Amen. The spirit of God does that. He breaks condemnation. Amen. Now let's talk about extending forgiveness towards others. Not only do we need to learn how to receive forgiveness, but we need to also learn how to extend forgiveness towards others. The Bible says in Colossians 3.15, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Bible requires us to forgive everyone and anyone who offends us. And sometimes this is where we, we hit the wall. This is where we fall down. The scripture exhorts us over and over again, forgive those that offend you. You know, I'm, I am convinced that it is impossible for you to live on this globe and not get the opportunity to be offended. If you breathe, you're going to have an opportunity to be offended. Isn't that right? What, why, why should we forgive others? There's some benefits of forgiving those who offend you. It keeps you from getting trapped spiritually. In Matthew 18, 17, it says, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to the man by whom the offenses come. You can't get away from offenses. They're going to come. You know, the word offense there comes from the Greek word scandalon. The word scandalon describes a small piece of wood that was used to keep the door of an animal trap propped open. A piece of food was placed inside the trap to lure the animal inside. And when the animal entered the trap and accidentally bumped the scandalon, the small piece of wood would fall and the scandalon collapsed, causing the trap door to slam shut, trapping the animal. How many of you remember those traps? How many of you made those traps growing up? So offense is like the scandalon of the enemy. It's a little piece of wood of the enemy. And and if, if he can get us offended, he can cause us to trap ourselves spiritually. And so he works overtime to try to get somebody to do something or get us to feel like somebody done something to get us offended. Because he knows as soon as we get offended, we just tap the scandal on and the trap door is falling shut. It's his trap. And Jesus warns us about the possibility of getting trapped spiritually. And listen, you can be a pastor, you can be a prophet, you can be walking the anointing of healing and deliverance, you can be the greatest 
preacher that the world has ever seen. But if the enemy can get you to knock the scandal on in your life, the trap door is going to fall and you're on your way to spiritual ruin. And the enemy knows that. And it's something that the body of Christ faces day in and day out. And so the reason why we need to forgive others is whenever we forgive others, it's like placing the wood back in the trap. And we can get out now. Amen? So the enemy can't trap us. We got to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves, right? And so whenever we get opportunity to be offended, we need to realize, okay, this would feel good for me to hold on to this. But if I hold on to this, I'm going to stay stuck right here in this trap. I need to just go ahead and let go so I can be free. Amen? The second benefit of forgiving those who offend you is it helps you physically, mentally, and emotionally be healthy. You know, in Matthew 18, Jesus warned us, if we don't forgive, we'll be given over to the torturers or the tormentors, King James says. Matthew 18, 32, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Now, I believe the torment that we experience when we don't forgive others is physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual torment. I believe that's what it is. Sometimes even our physical health is compromised. You know, it's amazing. When people hold on to offense, emotionally they go down the tubes. When people hold on to offense, mentally they they get weak in their mind. In their mind, they can't focus. Their mind is everywhere. And they they just mentally, they're messed up. They no longer have the, the peace of God in their mind. And sometimes it affects them physically. You know, as I was studying yesterday, I was reminded of this. I made a note of this story. I ran into a guy, a guy that came to church here for a while, and he was from the surrounding area, his town outside of this area. And uh, I ran into him one day and I said, hey man, how's it going? This guy had a business, a thriving business, and everything was going good. And he said, man, things are going terrible. I said, well, what's going on? He said, well, I was diagnosed with an incurable disease. And I can hardly work. My business is suffering. I'm suffering financially. I'm, I'm just, man, it's not good. So in the conversation, I knew his dad. So I happened to say, hey, man, how is your dad doing? And he responded back to me, well, I have not talked to my dad in a long time. I said, what do you mean you haven't talked to your dad? And he said, well, my dad did X, Y, Z and started building this case of why he has not talked to his dad. And so I encouraged him. And then we parted ways. It was a while before I saw him again. Uh, I don't know, maybe six months, eight months. I don't remember exactly. I ran into the guy again. And I could tell he had a beaming smile on his face and I said, hey, man, how are you doing? I know last time we talked, you you had been diagnosed with this incurable disease. He said, well, man, he said, I was seeking God one day about all that was going on in my life. And the Lord told me that the reason why I was suffering in my body and that my business was suffering and I was struggling financially is because I was holding offense towards my dad. And he said, when the Lord spoke that to me, 
He said, I began weeping while I was driving down the road and crying and I couldn't get to my dad's house fast enough. And he said, I went to my dad's house and I said, dad, please forgive me. I am sorry that I haven't talked to you, that I haven't taken your calls. I, I Please forgive me. I am going to talk to you. I'm going I'm to be the son that you want me to be. And they had reconciliation right there in the front yard of their house. Yeah, isn't that great? But then he said, the next thing that happened was all of a sudden my energy level started coming back. My health started getting better. I was able to go to work. I was able to get back in my business. My business now is booming like it never boomed before. My finances are back on track. He said, Todd, all I can tell you is whenever you're preaching in your church, tell people to forgive. Tell them to forgive. It's not worth holding on to offense. Come on, isn't that a great story? We need to forgive, right? The third benefit of forgiving those who offend you is it helps you maintain healthy relationships. If you don't forgive, eventually it will begin affecting all your other relationships. You know, we think, well, I can just be bitter, not talk to this person, be angry at this one, and then I'll just be nice to the rest of the world. But it's not the way that it works. Unforgiveness is like a poison that will contaminate all your other relationships. You see, the, the fruit, the fruit of unforgiveness is bitterness, anger, resentment. That will begin showing up in all your other relationships. And of course, more importantly, if you don't forgive, it will contaminate and damage your relationship with God. It will affect your life spiritually. You begin losing your desire to serve God. You're going to lose your peace and joy of your relationship with God. And you begin suffering with mental problems, emotional problems, anxiety, depression, discouragement. And it's all a result of not releasing offense. So we need to get free from it. We need to learn how to extend forgiveness towards others, not for their benefit. You know, sometimes we think, well, I need to, how can I, they hurt me, they wronged me, and now I have to be the one that takes the high road and forgive them? They need to come crawling to my feet and beg me to forgive them. That's what they need to do. And we think that forgiveness is for the other person's benefit. It's like somebody said, you know, we, we, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Well, listen, we're not forgiving for their sake. Hey, let God deal with them. Let God take out his vision. God is big enough to deal with all of his children. Amen. We're forgiving for our own benefit so we can be free, so we can be healthy, so we can be whole. Amen. How do you break free? How do you learn to extend forgiveness? First of all, you got to repent of your sin. You got to repent of it. You know, you listen, you know, offense normally comes with hurt. It starts with hurt. Somebody hurt me. Man, I can't believe they hurt me. And we know better than to just get offended. So we, but we feel okay with just, you know, just patting hurt. But if we're not careful, hurt will slide right into offense. And before you know it, it's in your back pocket. 
That's what happened to me. I was getting ready to preach on forgiveness one Sunday morning and Saturday I was out there struggling, trying to put a sermon together. So the Lord said, why don't you just apply this message to you? And then maybe we could do business on Sunday. Like, man, I'm clean. I love everybody. And then he started showing me my behavior towards one individual. And so why do you act like that? Why do your blood pressure get high when you mention their name? Why do you avoid them? Why won't you talk to them? Yada, yada, yada. And he said, let me help you out. I'll tell you why. Because you're holding a fence. You need to call them and you need to repent. And so first right there in my, on the green carpet in my office, I repented. But then I called them and asked them to forgive me. But I'm telling you, even though you know this stuff, you can still get caught in the web. But you got to repent. That's where it starts. Finally, I confessed all my sins. Psalm 32, 5. I confessed all my sins to you. Stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. Amen. Amen. God forgives. Praise the Lord. Amen. But then you got to begin extending mercy towards others by choosing to forgive. You got to be merciful. You got to, you know, you know. You know, somebody says, well, whenever I feel like loving them or forgiving them, I will. No, you will never feel like it. You've got to forgive them and start loving them. And then the feelings will come. Right. Now, it doesn't mean that you got to be buddies with everybody. You know, forgiving others doesn't mean you got to go break bread with them. You know what I mean? You know, whenever a family forgives a murderer for murdering their family member, it doesn't mean they got to go and be, you know, pals. But in their heart, they got to forgive that offender. We need to be reminded that we need to extend mercy towards others. Why? So we can receive mercy. Because how many of you, how many of you believe that you need mercy? You see, one of the things that helps us to forgive is Do we need God's forgiveness? Do we make mistakes where maybe by the end of today, we're going to need his mercy? Man, I am convinced that there's no way that I'm that good. I'm going to need God's mercy pretty quick. I'm the only one. Come on, I feel like I'm going to need God's mercy probably before this meeting is up right here. Because, man, I have the ability to just mess it up all the time. Amen. I need God. If we're going to stay in relationship, man, I need to him to have a big forgiver and to have a lot of mercy because I'm going to need it all. Amen. And so then, therefore, I need to extend that towards others so that I can keep receiving it. Because I know me and I know that I am not this goody two shoe that has no faults and makes no mistakes. I'm convinced of otherwise. How about you? Aren't you convinced of otherwise? If you're not convinced otherwise, come up for prayer in a hurry. (laughs) Amen. We need to forgive. Would you just stand with me?
Would you just close your eyes for a moment? How many of you this morning, you feel like, man, sometimes I feel like I struggle with receiving God's love, receiving God's forgiveness. How many of you feel that way? Man, sometimes I struggle with just just feeling like God loves me. Let me see your hands if that's you. Come on, how many of you this morning will say, man, it's in, you know, maybe it's shame. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's condemnation. How many of you, one of these three barriers fits you? Maybe the devil's been reminding you of the past. Maybe he's been telling you the mistakes you've made. And he's, he's, it feels like he's standing over you, beating you up. Come on. How many of you need today? You need God to break those barriers off your life through the power of the blood of Jesus. Come on. Let me see your hands. Those of you that feel, man, I'm struggling. I need, I need barriers broken. If your hands are up, just slip out. Just come right down to the altar right now. Let's just slip out. We're going to pray a prayer together and I'm believing that God's going to watch over his word and he's going to perform it. Why are you coming up here? I want you to come up here with the knowledge and understanding that no sin that you've ever committed is too big for God to forgive. I want you to come up here understanding that your shame Jesus took upon himself so you didn't have to keep hanging your head because you made a mistake. You are not that person that, that, that was involved in that event. You are born again, child of God. And if, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things are new. Come on, how many of you are feeling like right now that the enemy is trying to trap you up, trying to hold a fence in your life. He's trying to get you to hold a grudge. Let me see your hands. This is your opportunity right now. If that's you, I want you to slip out and just come and join these right now. Come on, let's ask God to release his healing hand. Come on, let's pray. Let's go to the Lord right now. Come on, the Bible says we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all ways was tempted yet without sin. So therefore, let us come boldly to the throne room of grace. Come on, saints. Come on. I want you to look up now. I want you to look up. I want you to look into heaven. And I want you to, first of all, receive his love. Receive his grace right now. Come on. Let him take shame off of you. Come on. Let him take shame. Come on. You don't have to be ashamed any longer. You can be covered right now in the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's ask him to break. Let's ask him to break guilt. Come on. Just confess, Lord. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on. Ask the Lord. Lord, would you forgive me? Come on, if the Lord, if the devil is reminding you of your past, come on, just repent. The devil tries to bring condemnation. Jesus wants to bring deliverance. Amen. And so listen, just ask the Lord to forgive you. Lord, I am sorry. I am sorry. Come on, if you stole a red glove, just say it. Lord, I am sorry. I don't want to live with that condemnation. I believe that your blood covers my sin. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, come on, let's ask the Lord to break that spirit of condemnation. Come on, come on, let's ask the Lord to break, come on, that voice coming in your ear, that you're a failure, that all you do is make mistakes, that you never measure up. Let's ask God to break it right now. Now, come on, those of you that need to release an offense, it's a choice. Just say right now, Lord, I release them. God, I forgive them. Lord, I'm not expecting anything from them. I'm not wanting anything from them. I'm just letting them go right now. I'm extending mercy to them because I need mercy. Lord, thank you for giving me the grace to forgive. Just say before the Lord, Lord, 
forgive me for holding offense. I forgive, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I thank you. Now listen, would you just extend your hand towards these right now? And let's ask God to release his love. Now listen, I want you to just, if you have the liberty, just lift your arms like this. Just lift your hands like this and just receive. I want you to just receive the love of God. Let God's love come upon you. Now come on by faith. Grab a hold of it. By faith, don't listen to your feelings. Don't listen to what your thoughts are saying. By faith, just reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Abba, Father, thank you for loving me. Abba, Father, thank you for accepting me. Abba, Father, thank you for giving me grace today. Abba, Father, thank you for allowing me, Lord, to experience and extend your forgiveness today. Lord, may your love be showered on each and every one that is here at the altar today. In the mighty and the strong name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed shouted and said, Amen. 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 Thank you, God, for your love. Come on, just accept it. You're washed. You're cleansed. Though your sin be red as crimson, they shall be white as wool. Come on. Your past is the past. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. And the Lord don't even know what you're talking about anymore. Amen. Father, may your blessing be upon your people today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.